Good morning. This morning we will be looking at the idea of human denial and the faithfulness of God. People all the time give their word, take an oath, make all kinds of promises, and then they don't keep them. They do not keep their word. I don't know how many times I have heard of a couple getting married, and then at some point in the future, they say, you know what, I've changed my mind, I'm not going to keep my marriage vows. I don't know how many times I've heard of people who have signed a contract and said, I'm going to pay this amount of money for something, or I'm going to agree to a certain agreement and then say, you know what, I'm going back on what I said. I'm not going to keep my word. People change their minds. People break their promises. And sometimes they deny they ever said anything or made a promise. I heard of one company that was held to a handshake contract. They said, oh, we never did that. And it was proven that they did and they had made an agreement. But today what we're going to look at is human denial. We're going to see the story of Jesus saying that Peter would deny him and the denier denying his impending denial. So take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 26. When you find that, please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to be reading verses 30 through 35 this morning. Matthew 26, beginning at verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Let's pray. Lord God, we we come before you now very aware that we have a tendency, a, a bent, an inclination to make this about us. Lord, we are are so wired to be self-centered. Lord, I pray that as as we look at your word now and as we hear your word, that you would give us the gift of a glimpse of your glory and your majesty. And Lord, give us rest from thinking so much about ourselves. And we pray and ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Human denial and the faithfulness of God. 
Judas would betray him. His true identity would be exposed. And now we hear that Peter will deny him. It will be a tragedy. It would be very easy to look at this passage and point out all the things about Peter that weren't right. But I want us to see Jesus today, and I want us especially to see in this passage things that this passage tells us about God's faithfulness, about how faithful God is, about how good He is, about how gracious and merciful and kind and loving He is. The first thing I want you to see in this passage is that Jesus will keep His word. You may be one who says, you know what? People have burned me too much. I'm not going to trust anyone. I'm not going to sign a contract without assurance. I'm not going to give my word to anyone because people have betrayed me. What I want you to see is that Jesus keeps his word. Verse 30 says that they had sung, after they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Here they are closing off this Passover meal that Jesus has now transformed when he said this is my body which is for you he says these life altering paradigm smashing words he's saying I am the Passover lamb I am the lamb of God that that will take away the sins of the world and they had come out of this time and they would sing a hymn they would sing scripture Psalm 113 all the way through Psalm 118 one of those psalms or maybe Psalm 136 But they sung a hymn, and then they went out to the Mount of Olives. What was going to happen in the Mount of Olives? Jesus would be betrayed by Judas. Jesus would be arrested. Jesus would be denied by Peter three times. All the disciples would scatter, and he would be killed. Jesus will keep his word. Look at verse 31. Jesus says to his disciples, you will all fall away because of me this night. He uses the word fall away, which is in Greek, it's scandalizo. It means a stumbling block. It means to be offended. He says, you're all going to be offended by me. And he says, he quotes Zechariah 13, verse 7. He says, for it is written, the word of God says, it is. I will strike the shepherd. Who's I here? God is saying he will strike the shepherd. It's like in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 10, which tells us that it pleased the Lord to crush Christ that we might live. Jesus says, it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. That word scattered is if you had, let's say you had a big handful of marbles and you drop them on the ground, and they just went every which way when they hit the floor. That's what's going to happen to the disciples. They're going to go every which way. They're going to scatter, and they're going to desert Christ. So Jesus will keep his word. What you see here, think about this. In a long line of scriptures that came true, that were prophesied, here is one more. How many times did Jesus say that the scripture would be fulfilled, or as it is written? His birth was prophesied. His life, his death. He says, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. 
But what you see in this passage is Peter getting up and saying, no, Jesus, you're wrong. No, that's not how it's going to be. He's basically saying, I know better than you. I love what happened to Peter post-resurrection. I love what happened to Peter after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. 1 Peter chapter 1, go there with me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Peter is so excited about the word of God. 1 Peter and 2 Peter both focus heavily on the word of God. I often like to say that the Spirit of God uses the Word of God in the lives of the people of God for the glory of God. And Peter was very excited about that. But what you see in the passage in Matthew 26 is, no, I know better than the Word of God. That's what we do when we go our own way and we say, hey, I've got the wheel, Jesus. You can go sit in the back seat. Make sure you have your seatbelt on. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Just like the writer of Hebrews says, that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing as far as a division of joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. He goes on, 1 Peter 1, to quote Isaiah 40. All flesh is like grass, all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but... The word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. He goes on in chapter 2 to say, you need to long for the pure milk of the word of God. But that day, that night, in which Jesus was going to be betrayed and denied, Peter was thinking he knew better than the word of God. But what you see, because God is faithful, is that Jesus will keep his word. You look over in 2 Peter in chapter 1, Peter is talking about the glory of God in Christ and the Word of God. He says in verse 16, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was big about calling him the Lord Jesus Christ. That night in which he was betrayed, Peter is basically saying, Well, I know better than you, Lord post-resurrection he's like he's the lord he knows we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our lord jesus christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty when we he had received honor and glory from god the father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased we ourselves heard this voice born from heaven and we were with him on the holy mountain he's talking about the mount of transfiguration but then he says in verse 19, and we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Just like Psalm 119, 105, that word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. See, that, one, that, that night in which Jesus was betrayed and denied and deserted, Peter wasn't paying attention to the word of God. He was paying attention to his own ideas. 
He said, no, Jesus, that's not what's going to happen. But Jesus will keep his word. So Peter, transformed, says, you know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. See, on the night in which he was betrayed, Peter said to Jesus, you know, I have a different interpretation than you, Jesus. Why don't you have a seat and let me tell you about it. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but man spoke by, from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God is going to keep his word. Jesus will keep his word. Think of the long line of things, the birth, the life, the death of Christ, and what are we remembering? His death on the cross for us. You think about the Lord's Supper that Jesus instituted that night when they would remember what he has done, what he would do at that point. The first thing you got to know is that Jesus will keep his word. You say, well, I've been burned. I've been hurt. I've had all sorts of pains in my life. I, I just don't know if I can trust the word of God. If you're a Christian, think back in your life of all the times that God has kept his word to you where he has been your comfort in a time of pain, when he has been your, your adequacy when you were inadequate, when he has been your strength when you are weak, which is all the time, by the way. Think about God's faithfulness in your life up until today. It's very easy for some of us to get discouraged in life and to get disillusioned, and even where once we, we strongly trusted in, in God's word, we could start to waver. We've got to remember We've got to remember what God has done in our life. Jesus will keep his word. Now the second thing I want you to see is that Jesus will keep his covenant. He will keep his covenant. Look at verse 32. He says, after I am raised up. So here is is the the word. You're all going to fall away because of me this night. Because here's what's been written in the word of God. I'm going to strike the shepherd down and the sheep are going to be scattered like marbles on the ground. But he says in verse 32, but after I am raised up, I will go before you into Galilee. He is going to keep his covenant. What's a covenant? A covenant is a binding agreement. If two people make a covenant, they say we promise to both act upon our promises. (laughs) But God's covenant in Christ is different. It is unilateral. It is one-sided. There were plenty of times in the Old Testament where he said, if you you do this, I'll do that. But in Christ, this new covenant in his blood that was foreshadowed in Ezekiel is that, excuse me, in Jeremiah, really it's through the whole Old Testament. He is going to keep this covenant and he knows we won't be able to keep it. We can't keep covenant, but he can. So this is a one-sided covenant that he is going to keep. The new covenant in his blood, where he will provide salvation. And these things were settled before the world began. And once again, even in this passage, we have got this tension that must be held between the sovereignty of God and the accountability of man. Here is Jesus saying, this is going to happen. You are going to fall away and Peter and the disciples doing that and not being let off the hook. They are still responsible for their choices, tragic as they were. Jesus is going to keep his covenant. You look back at at the, the Lord's Supper that he has just instituted. 
What would it mean? What would it signify? It would, it would signify that we are remembering Christ's death on the cross and that we would celebrate the salvation we have in Him. That we would fellowship with Him and proclaim gospel truth and anticipate His return. Do you think that all these things, His birth, His life, His death, His resurrection, are all going to come true that the scriptures will be fulfilled all the way through, this covenant will be kept all the way through, but then, oh-oh, wait a minute, there has been a, a, a short circuit, we're not going to do the return thing. God will keep His covenant, and it runs all the way through eternity. After I am raised up, Jesus isn't going in defeated and he will come out victorious before the cross he says after i'm raised up how many times did he said that to his disciples that i'm going to suffer and die and rise on the third day he will keep his covenant his promised return is sure but i want you to see a third thing and we're going to spend more time on this it's really in verses 33 through 35 and it's this that jesus who keeps his word and who keeps his covenant will also keep his church. Even when they deny him, even when they desert him, Jesus will keep his church. He knows and cares for his children. Verse 33. Peter's a leader, isn't he? He stands up in front of Jesus, in front of the other disciples, and he answers Jesus... Now, verse 31, Jesus says, you're going to all fall away because of me this night. And he, and he quotes scripture to them. Zechariah 13, 7. Peter answers. And it's like he, he sidesteps the rest of the disciples and lets the bus run over them. That would be true if he wasn't just driving the bus. Peter is driving the bus over the other disciples. Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. Over and said, look, Jesus, even though they might fall away, I won't. I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to ride in like the one-man cavalry. I will be your favorite disciple. Peter. Jesus answers him. Verse 34. So here you got, first of all, Peter. Even if all of them fall away, I won't. I'm better than them. I'm stronger than them. I'm bolder than them. Not humbler. What could have been filling his heart but pride at that point? Having debates about who's going to be the greatest. Even if all of them fall away, ba-boom, 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 I won't. Jesus says, truly, the word for amen the word for this is how it's going to be. This is what will happen. Amen. I tell you. So Jesus, the Lord of the universe, Jesus, the authority that Peter has just questioned and said, no, Jesus, you're wrong. Here, Jesus, have a seat. Let me explain things to you. Your interpretation's wrong. It's partly right, but you've got me in there and that's not right. That's wrong. Jesus says, truly, amen, I tell you this, this very night. Now, he had already said that. Look at verse 31. You'll all fall away because of me this night. 
It's going to happen soon. So Jesus says to Peter, I'm telling you, this very night, it's going to be very, very soon. You know when you get news that something's going to happen right away? Like, I don't know, like ladies, like having a baby maybe? I remember when, when, uh, when we were anticipating our first baby. Middle of the night, Angela says, oh, my water just broke. And I'm like, awesome. Let's, in the morning, we'll go to the doctor. We'll go to the hospital in the morning. She's like, no, 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 now. I'm like, oh, no, uh, let's grab a bag and get ready and go to the hospital right this moment in the middle of the night. Jesus says, this very night, before the rooster crows, you are going to deny me thrice three times the rooster before he crows you're going to deny me three times now this reminds me a lot of my neighbor's chickens i was in my backyard one day and my neighbor quinn and i were talking through the chain link fence and he says to me he goes mike one of my hens has a fatal disease i'm like oh quinn i'm so sorry and I really was. They gave us, they give us eggs every once in a while. And I'm like, bummer, one of your chickens is going to die. He goes, yeah, she's a he. He says, haven't you heard the rooster? I'm like, no, not at all. He goes, well, the rooster crows about like every morning at 8 in the morning. I'm like, oh, we're, we're, we're up three hours before that. We're, go- we're long gone by then. We, don't, we haven't heard a thing. He goes, well, I was going to... I was going to, you know, make dinner out of, that, out of that rooster because I don't want to wake your family up. I said, look, there's no problem. Give him a stay of execution, whatever. Don't, don't, don't end its life yet. He goes, okay, well, you let me know if there's any problem. I said, I will let you know. It's a good, that's a deal. So about a week later, I'm in the backyard, and there's Quinn out in the backyard, whack, 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 getting dinner ready. And I'm like, what, what's up? He goes, well, it was time. Now, if you grew up in the country, you know that the rooster crows in the morning and you don't need an alarm clock. It is your alarm clock. But in the Bible times, in that time, the rooster wouldn't crow like, you know, when you would usually try to get, get up. 12.30 a.m., 1.30 a.m., 2.30 a.m. That's not an alarm clock. That's a nuisance, right? Jesus says this very night before the rooster crows... It was within hours of Peter's denial. Very, very soon, it was going to happen. He was going to deny him three times. Verse 35. Peter comes back at Jesus. Jesus, you weren't listening to me. Let me get this straight to you, Jesus. Let me help you to understand the situation. He says, even if I must die with you, I will never deny you. I will not do it. And the way he words his statement, it's like he really didn't think that Jesus was going to the cross. I don't know what Peter's problem was, but I think he might have had presbycusis. Some of you have presbycusis. Do you know what that is? That's when you get older, you lose your hearing, and it just, it's not as, like, things that dogs hear, you can't hear anymore. Maybe you never could, but in a natural aging process, by, by age 65, all people develop some sort of hearing loss. 
Did you, do you hear what I'm saying? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? Okay, good. I just want to make sure you could hear me. Um, maybe that was Peter's problem. Presbycusis. You know, he just couldn't hear what Jesus said. He said, you all will fall away because of me this night. The Bible says it will happen. Peter says, no, no. That, that's not going to happen in my case. I'm better than that. I'm stronger than that. I'm faster than that. Jesus says, no, Peter. Peter. Tonight, even before the rooster crows, you're going to do it. And Peter says, no, I won't. Now, Peter's a leader. And, and Peter gets a bad rap by a lot of Christians because they forget the end of verse 35. And all the disciples said the same. They all said that they all went along with Peter. He'd thrown them under the bus, and now they're aligning themselves with him. Wow. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. I remember the first time that I read Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23 in my Bible. There's that line, great is your faithfulness. I had grown up going to church and singing the hymn, great is thy faithfulness. But I'd never read it in the Bible. I wasn't going to a church that was preaching the gospel or teaching the Bible. And so it was awesome to read that. But if you will, go with me to the book of Lamentations. It's right after Jeremiah in the Old Testament. I want you to notice something. First, the name of the book. Lamentations. Lament. The idea is that it's an expression of grief over things not going well. And that someone who wants to hope in God is, is feeling like they can't because things are so bad. The letter begins, the book, excuse me, the book begins, How Lonely Sits the City That Was Full of People. It's about mourning, it's about desolation, it's about groaning and affliction and bitter suffering and no one to help. And people are being mocked and people have sinned grievously and, and they're very rebellious and their stomachs are churning and their hearts literally are wrung within them. Bad situation. All sorts of things going on. They're cast down. They're without mercy, the writer says. They're cut down. They're killed even. They're scorned. They're disowned. They're crying out to God. And I love, you get to verse 22 of chapter 3. But before you get there, you've got to go to verse 1. It's got to go through verse 1 of chapter 3. I am man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. I've got darkness and no light. He's walled me about. I can't escape. He shuts out my prayer. He's blocked my ways. I'm bereft of peace. I have no peace, he says. He says, I have no endurance left. My hope is gone. Verse 22. He says, this I call to mind and remember, and then I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. 
They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him. I think about Peter post-resurrection. John chapter 21. Peter says to the other disciples, I am going fishing. That's code word for I'm quitting. I'm defeated. I'm downcast. I'm depressed. I'm going to get cut from the team anyway. I'm useless. I'm done. So he says, I'm going fishing. All the disciples say, we'll go with you. He's a leader. And they fish all night long. They're doing night fishing. All night long, they catch nothing. Day breaks. The sun's about to rise. And Jesus is standing on the shore, standing on the beach. And he calls out to them, children, did you catch any fish? And they say, no. And he says, cast the net on the other side. They caught 153 fish. All of a sudden, the disciple whom Jesus loves, John, says, Hey, Peter, it's Jesus. It's the Lord. Peter jumps in the water, presumably to swim to shore because we see that he gets there first and he's helping the boat come in. And Jesus has breakfast all roasted over the fire, the fish are ready. What's better than fresh caught fish for breakfast cooked over an open fire? And like any really tough conversation you need to have, you got to have, you got to eat first. And so they ate breakfast. And then Jesus, after breakfast, took Peter aside and he starts to question him. And he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? We don't know if he means the fish or the disciples or maybe his own thoughts. Do you love me more than thee? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus asks him again, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, I love you. Now the answer that comes back from Jesus is, well, then tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And then Jesus asks him a third time. He asks him thrice. He says, do you love me? And it says that Peter was grieved. Grieved wasn't angry at Jesus. He was grieved in his own heart over his own sin. His denial of Christ was sin. It was tragic. See, what Peter didn't know is he had a preaching gig to get to on the day of Pentecost. Pe Jesus had it all planned out. Peter would stand up boldly with the, with the other disciples and begin to preach the word of God and and preach the gospel, and 3,000 people would get saved that day, and the church would be birthed. But all Peter knew was that he hadn't kept his word. He knew how he had failed. Think about your life for a minute. Think about all the times that you feel like you failed God. Maybe you're going to be thrown away and cut from the team because it's just too late. What is Jesus doing as he is telling Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my flock? He's saying, you're forgiven, you're chosen, I'm gracious and merciful. He's saying, I'm going to keep my church. 
Jesus keeps his word, he keeps his covenant, and he keeps his church, even if they deny him, even if they are deserting him. It's interesting, this word deny. Peter says, I will never deny you. Same Greek word that is used in Matthew 16, 24, when Jesus says, whoever comes after me must deny himself. On the night in which he was betrayed and denied and deserted, Jesus said these words, and Peter didn't deny himself. He denied Christ instead. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, you must take up, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Disown yourself. Distance yourself from yourself. You're self-centered. You're sinful. You're, you're, you're warped. You've got to look to the only one who is faithful, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be easy for us to focus in on Peter so much right now? Because we can all see ourselves in this passage. We can all see ourselves in Peter. But I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see how he keeps his word and how he keeps his covenant and how he keeps his church. There is forgiveness with him. That as Joel chapter 2 verse 25 says, God can restore what the locusts have eaten. Some of you are facing um, just unthinkable pain some of you are facing um, really tough things or you have come through it we talk about the joy of the Lord being our strength and it's great to feel joyful when things are going well isn't it true we always give ourselves credit when things are going well wow I must be really being faithful to God he's rewarding me but when things are going bad it's so easy to, to blame God or to say why is he doing this to me and couldn't we see Doesn't God want us to get to the point where we see that joy in Christ in the midst of the deepest pain is the best kind of joy there is? It's the kind of joy that restores your soul. Every one of you, every one of us, is going to have an opportunity today, tomorrow, the next day, and be tempted to deny Jesus. To distance yourself from believers. To not want to answer his call. You need to find your joy in Christ. Not anything in this world. Peter learned that lesson. You could say Peter learned it the hard way, but I think it's more accurate to say that Peter learned it exactly the way God wanted him to learn it. In the exact time that he wanted him to learn it. And once again, that tension between the sovereignty of God and the choices of man that we will not, as I said before, we will not figure out until Christ returns or we go to be with him when all those, ans- all those questions will be answered. I had that kind of time when I was a brand new Christian. I remember one time when I was at Long Beach State and I had an opportunity to either align myself with Christ or deny him I was sitting on a bench in upper campus and a man sits down with a Bible and I was really excited I was a new believer and I started talking to him we found out we're both believers and it was great very encouraging but then he said to me I want you to pray for me because I'm going to stand up right now and start to preach now there was a group of people that would come onto Long Beach State's campus and would preach the gospel They weren't preaching error. They were preaching truth. 
but they did it in such a way that got, pe- got them into big arguments with people. They would be yelling and screaming at people. This was one of those guys. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm just going to get up and need to go somewhere else. But at that moment, the guy stands up and begins to preach, and walking towards me is one of my childhood friends that was also going to that school. And as he's walking up, he's sneering and, and laughing at the guy preaching and gets to me and says, get a load of this guy. He actually had some choice words that I don't think I can repeat right now. And that was my moment. Whether I was going to say, you know, I believe what he's preaching. Maybe not the way he's doing it, but I believe that message. Or laugh at him too. I didn't tell the other two services what I, what I did. I'm not going to tell you either. You can think about it. I want you to think about what you're going to do when you get into that moment. When you have that time. It could be with your family. It could be in your office tomorrow morning. It could be in your classroom. It could be out on the ball field. It could be anywhere. And you're going to have that moment. And, and you're going to have to decide. Are you going to trust the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you going to walk in the Spirit of God? Or are you going to be defeated? Think of your own thoughts. Trust in yourself. See, it is God's word. It is not our claims that anchors our soul. It is God's covenantal love and mercy and grace that is our hope and our strength, not us claiming that we are going to stand strong. The Bible says that let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The pride comes before destruction. It is God's faithfulness, not ours, that keeps us steadfast and growing in Christ. I want you to go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. There is a verse there in verse 24 that says this. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. I want you to keep your finger there and I want you to go to 2 Peter. Excuse me, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. I love how in verse 30 they had sung a hymn and then went out. Here, there is a, what was known as a, a hymn, an early Christian church hymn that was sung that is actually in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Take a running start at verse 8. It says this, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And then he says this, The saying is trustworthy. And these words that that I'm going to read now were known as one of the early hymns of the church. If we died with him, we will also live with him. It reminds us of Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. 
Jesus keeps his word, he keeps his covenant, and he will keep his church because he remains faithful. You go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He who calls you is faithful, he will also do it. Do what? Look at verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will sanctify you. He will keep you blameless until his coming. Lord God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that that we don't trust ourselves. We don't lean on our own understanding. And even when we hear your word, Lord, we, we long to make some gift to you, some return to you, but we realize we have nothing to offer you. That we can only rejoice that you do all things well and that none in heaven or on earth shares your honor. We, we acknowledge, Lord, that we can of ourselves do nothing to glorify your blessed name. But through grace we can gladly surrender our souls to you. You are the author and finisher of faith. The whole work of salvation is yours alone. Every good thought or work found in us is the effect of your power and grace. That is the sole motive of yours in working in us to will and to do. But only your good pleasure. Lord, thank you that you are faithful. Lord, we pray that you would make us like Christ.